Live from the summit in Phoenix, Arizona, the core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Kevin Polakovich and Julie Johnson. Today's topic, hiring and growing great employees. Thank you for coming, guys. Uh, great class. Um, I think a great way to open this class is to talk about uh, a hurricane. When do you plan for a hurricane? <laughs> Hopefully at least a week before it comes, months before it comes. So when we talk about hiring, this is interesting in how quick things shift. So you look at this class and we put together a curriculum a month back and people committed to a class. They said, wow, hiring and growing great employees sounds like a great class. Things have changed a little bit the last couple of months, right? But let's look at it being the, the right piece and when you plan for a hurricane. And when you set up and looking at right now setting the right foundation, setting the right systems in place, setting up a proven process that works again and again so that when the time comes to start hiring again, and it's always time to train, but when that time comes, we have a proven system that we've done again and again. I'm super excited to coach with my friend Julie Johnson. Julie and I actually taught uh, team uh, class together with both of our team captains. It was a fantastic class. We both run our businesses very similar, and I'm really excited. You run an awesome business, and I always learn a ton from you, so thank you so much for doing this. Why don't you open us up and share yes. a little bit about our great topic? Yes. Hello, everybody. So glad you're here. So, first of all, I have to talk about KP, because you coached me two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago, we're on a call now together, and not only are you an amazing salesperson, you're a crazy good leader, and you're like a business ninja, right? You're just like, ah. Oh. So I'm excited actually to learn from you today too. Thank so thank you. you. So this topic is actually truly today my passion. Like truly, truly, truly. I love it. I feel so fulfilled when you know, I take somebody who has no knowledge of the industry, bring them into the industry and change their life, right? Because you can make a million dollars in this industry and there's very few industries that you can do that at a pretty young age. So that is my, my true passion. But I wanna take you back seven years ago of what my life looked like with my employees. <laughs> Revolving door of hiring, firing, people leaving me. I had one lady who reported me to HR. I don't even know why, I can't remember anymore. And then, do you know that website, Glassdoor? Yeah, I'm on there, okay? Somebody ranted about me. So, and I, and I was a terrible leader. And you know, one thing that Rick has taught me, and it, which is truly my foundation today, is that if somebody leaves me, if something goes wrong in my business, it's my fault. It's always my fault. And at first it sounds shocking, like, no, they were all terrible hires, you know, no way. Maybe there could have been a couple. But ultimately, it was my fault. And what's empowering about being my fault is I can change it, because I can control that change. So if you think about that, if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. It's an amazing thing. And I'm still growing, of course, right? I mean, we're always trying to, to grow. Rick's always saying, we don't need to get bigger, we need to get better. And so that's always been my motto as well, just 
got to get better, especially in this because you're changing lives. Cool. So I'm going to share a little uh, story we've had recently. I've uh, been running a mortgage uh, shop for 20 years. And over the last probably 12 years, we've really dialed in our hiring process. I've got a lot of things that I'm not very good at, but the hiring process is something we've gotten very good at until about 90 days ago. And we had uh, two hires that didn't work out really well, and it gave me a big chance to take a step back and reevaluate. Uh, we like to, we call it a post-mortem in the business. We call it a post-mortem in our office. Post-mortem is after the body's dead. We had a loan that went bad. What did we do wrong? Let's sit down and analyze it and see what we can improve on, what we can run better. The same thing when you hire an employee that doesn't work out. What did we do wrong? What could we have done better? So two hires, very, very big hires. One is my business partner who's here in the core, business partner of 20 years. We hired his executive assistant. About six weeks in, probably about two weeks, and we realized it was not the right hire. Six weeks in, I dive in. And one of the first things I do is I pull um, the disk profile that we hired Manesh to get for us for the disk profile for the job. And I read through the disk profile, and in about two minutes, I can tell you it's the wrong seat in the bus for this employee. So then I go back and look at the interview sheets, and I look at the interview sheets, we'll talk about the process a little bit, and I see a bunch of discrepancies that we shouldn't have made this hire. So we had to move my executive assistant with us for six weeks. We had to go in a different direction. Awful. How does it feel to let someone go? Awful. Raise your hand. We've all done it, right? It's mm -hmm. awful. So that was one. The second one, my same business partner, his team captain, we hired her husband to come in and run our CRM system. He was with us for less than 60 days. Just got done talking about, I've got a great hiring process, I've got things figured out the last 12 months. It broke. And I went back and I did a deep dive and analyzed what we did wrong, what we missed, and what we're going to do in the future to make it not happen again. I'm going to share some of those principles that we got back to our basics. When I talk about the disc profile, I dug in a couple layers of the onion and I found out, well, yeah, well, we ordered the disc. Okay, well, did anybody read it? It's kind of like buying a gym membership. You know, the only thing that gets skinnier is your checkbook if you don't actually use the gym membership. So great, we paid for this disc profile, but no one did the extra work. No one talked to Manesh. No one did the extra work. No one read down it. No one really took a look and analyzed it. And the big thing is that no one person owned the process. It's the curse of shared ownership will kill all of us, and it's a really big thing. So we're going to share some things. Um, what I want to start with today, I want to look at every table. If, if I could grab you two guys to pull into another table here so I can get, uh, I'd like to get five or six in a table. I need to have more than two or if someone wants to move over here. Each one of these tables, we're going to look at each one of these tables. You guys are each uh, a mortgage company or a real estate company. Okay, so that's the premise. We're going to set this up. We're going to start some table work. And it's an exercise that we did a number of years ago that changed my business. And I want to share this with you so that you can take it back and execute it at your office. So, clean piece of paper, I want you to think about, this can be a current employee, this can be a past employee, this could be an employee you wish you had that worked for you, I want you to come up with a handful of names of people that you wish you could clone. So for me in my office, I wish I could clone my operations manager, her name is Shauna, she is a rock star. I wish I could clone my team captain, 
Her name is Free. I wish I could clone my executive assistant. Her name is Jen. I want you each to put down a name of two or three people. Just take a second and write it down on a clean piece of paper there. Pretty easy to come up with a couple names. Wish we all had those A-plus players. Okay. Well, I think you kind of might be able to clone some people these days, but that's a whole separate conversation. But in all reality, you can't clone someone right now. But what you can do is you can find specific attributes about these people that really make them someone that you want to clone. So an example for me, my operations manager just figures it out. She gets it done. She figures it out. She has a learning-based mindset. I want, I want to come up with some words or short phrases or the thing that you most admire about this person, why you'd want to clone them. I want you to put next to it. Get a list. You might have 10, 15, 16 different words that are just listed there and what it is about these three, two or three people that you really admire and you wish you could clone. So write those all down. Okay, starting to see some eyeballs. So if you guys can group up, turn toward each other, remember that each one of you are an individual real estate company, mortgage company, you're your own company. I want to take these, uh, take these phrases and take these people, and here's our goal. I want one person to be in charge, and we're going to pull together this wide list of probably 30, 40, 50 different words, and I want to pull it down to six or seven words or key phrases. Six or seven. Okay? So you guys working that together as a group, we'll come back and we'll go around the room a little bit. Does that make sense? Anyone have any questions about that? You're going to see words that are kind of the same. Really great attitude and optimistic. Those put together. Start pulling them together to get a list of five or six key words. Okay? So let's go around and just get some, some good keywords here. Start with you, Manish. Thank you. All right, so we got a positive, proactive, they take initiative, they own. Positive, they have, proactive, initiative. Ownership, high integrity, humble. Awesome. Awesome. Let's get another table. Over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Promotes the business to protect the brand, growth-minded, committed to, complete, to completion, implements quickly, and process-oriented. Love it. Ready? Um, coachable, positive, loyal, proactive, integrity. I added efficient and thorough. Awesome. We put down efficient, problem solver, proactive, initiative, humble, high mortgage IQ, growth-minded. Awesome. I think only thing that's different maybe is um, taking ownership, problem solver. They're all kind of similar, right? But I love hearing the extra ones. Uh, we had reliable, versatile, Hardworking, energetic, knowledgeable. Love it. Okay, Julie, what are yours? 
Mine are similar to yours, KP. So positive, proactive, professional, go-getter, team player, integrity, passionate. Uh, page 255 in the book are ours. We did, what we did here, guys, is the five-minute version of what is probably several hours with your team or your office or your branch, whatever your group is. And it's from a book called Traction. Um, and it is fantastic. We did this, the whole management team we ran through, we came up with these. And ours are proactive, emotional intelligence, openness, positive, passion, fun, and integrity. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but without a doubt, any time that we've had to part ways with someone or they didn't work out or they weren't there, it's because they didn't meet these core values. I heard someone talk about mortgage IQ. For us, we've determined in our branch that we're not, very, we're not terribly interested in high mortgage IQ. We are very interested in someone who has learning-based mindset, high emotional intelligence, openness to be coached. But you're going to find what works best for you and your piece. Really, really good exercise. And this is really the core in who you're looking for, who are you going to hire. We can teach the business. I think, I really firmly believe that we put too much emphasis on mortgage IQ, especially if you have a couple really smart people, like all of you guys already in your branch or in your office. I think that these core values are more important than mortgage IQ. You can learn the business. It's very tough to teach someone to be open or to have high emotional intelligence to know when to pick up the phone call instead of sending another email. So I think this is super important. So why don't you talk a little bit about your interview process yep. and how that works. Before I say this, I want you guys to know that what KP just gave you is amazing. Like if you can actually do this exercise, you will, this will be the foundation for your business. This is gold. If you get at least one thing from this, this would be the page that I would pick, okay? All right, the interview process. Uh, so I'll go over what I do. You can go to page 252. And it, this, so my regional admin talks to the candidate on the phone. She makes sure they give good phone, right? And they're positive and they're upbeat because we're looking for specific people. But go to question number five, because this is my favorite. Question says, what are, you, what are your long-term goals? And it sounds innocent enough, right? Like, okay. I've seen things like, oh, well, in four years, I'm moving to Montana. Well, I'm in Seattle. That's not going to work for me, right? Other things that I've, I've seen, I want to be a nurse. That's my passion. Well, that's great, but I want to bring people into the industry, and I don't, want to leave, I don't want you to leave me in four years. So that question is really pretty amazing. So she calls him on the phone and has this interview, and then if she thinks that they're good, and, and Bree's been with me for years, so she knows what we, what we want, then the next step is for them to come into the office and to do the actual interview with me. And my interviews are pretty tough, I have to say. So I'm very direct. And I talk about growth. Because back in the day, I think I mentioned, mentioned this earlier, it used to be like, why, why can't you work? You know, I want to convince you to work with me. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Well, you got to get that out of your head. Because it's why should they work for you? And when you change that mindset, everything changes in your business when it comes to hiring. So basically, I'm talking about growth. Do you want to grow? Tell me about, you know, tell, and then... You know, do you want to grow? What, what do you see yourself doing in the next 10 years? I go, I go further in that part. 
Um, and then I ask questions like, so in this position, specifically like an LP1, we have weekend warrior, right? And so I've already had 25 years of weekend working. I don't do that anymore. My team does that. So I ask a specific question during that interview. I say, so in the future, you might have to work every five or six weeks on a weekend. Is that going to be an issue for you? Any hesitation, ah, goodbye, it's over, right? So it's basically, and if they tell me, oh, no problem, that, that'd be great, sure, awesome. But if they even say anything like, what, are, what do I get paid? You know, anything like that, mm -mm, I'm not looking for them. And that might be okay for some people, but that's one of my non-negotiables is I talk about the weekends during the interview process. And then after that, we get a disc profile with Manesh here. You can tell that a lot of coaches use Manesh, but he has... I, you know what, I tried to go against what Manesh told me to do and it burned me and I'll never do it again. <laughs> so have the candidate uh, fill out a disc profile and Manesh is so kind that he actually sends me like a five minute video. So as long as he knows what the job title is, he will tell me right away. So even though I love this person, they're so amazing, I think they're gonna fit and that's happened a few times. Manesh tells me, no, I'm just not gonna do it because I'm not the expert, he's the expert on that. Do you guys all use Manesh? Yes, please. and if you don't, you need to call this man because it's amazing. All right, um, and the next thing we do is I have three team members interview them. Um, and this can be on Zoom or it could be in person. But what I love about this interview is it's light, you know, and I kind of tell the candidate, you know, the next, the next piece is you're gonna meet with three great people that, you know, that, that work for me, and it's gonna be fun, and you know, you're gonna have a good time, and you, I want you to get to know them. So when they let down on that interview, guess what happens? You start to hear the weird things like, you know, oh, I hated my last boss, right? I hated my company that I worked for before. Any kind of negativity, I don't want, right? No matter how much I like them, if my team tells me, oh, it's not gonna work, I believe them, because I trust them. So you gotta bring your team into the interview process because it really, really works. And then the last part is um, coming into the office again with me, going over the goals, going over the, you know, what they're gonna get paid. And um, I have to tell you a story that just actually happened a couple months ago. At that very last interview, this young gentleman was completely wonderful throughout the whole process. But he, when I walked into the conference room, he was slouching, just like this. And I was like, what are you doing? Don't do that. He ruined it for me. And he never even sat up. He just slouched there. I'm like, that's kind of a sign of laziness, I think, right? I mean, perception's everything, right? So if, you, if this is what I'm seeing, it's not gonna work for me, right? That's my interview process. Good, so here's what I heard, fantastic piece here. So you are doing that first interview. Yes. So someone's screening, doing some phone activity, seeing if they pass the general piece, seeing if they meet your core values, but they mm -hmm. come in there meeting with the boss right out of the get-go. Right. You have a super busy schedule. I've yep. seen your schedule. It is crazy, but it's that important that you meet with these people. It's very important because they're going to be part of our lives on a daily basis, and I want to make sure that if it's my fault, <laughs> right, that, that I'm going to make that decision. Garbage in, garbage out. Exactly. That's a, really, that's a really big thing. It's huge. And then it's a different interview to come back with meet with three people on your team. Yes. Separate interviews, not the same day. No, it's not, no, it's like a week later. And Fantastic. if somebody's too impatient and they don't want the job or they're telling me that, oh, oh, I've got three or four other people, you know, I'm not gonna rush the process. 
the process is what it is, especially if you're hiring people who don't have any, in, you know, um, don't have any experience in the industry. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, they have to wait. When do you do your DISC uh, interview? I actually disc do the DISC assessment. interview before I actually see the, interview them face to face. So Manesh already sends it out to me and it's, you know, it's already there. So during that interview, um, that's already been done. I may not, I may not necessarily actually receive the feedback yet at that point, but most of the time I do, but I, I still will meet with them. Okay, awesome. Um, very, very similar. Uh, I'm gonna share with you guys uh, a page. If you're not good in the phone, you can't work in any position in our company. That includes underwriters. If an underwriter isn't great in the phone, do I want the underwriter talking to my best loan officer? or talking to a processor or get argumentative and they're not nice on the phone, they're an underwriter. We all have jobs. We all have very important jobs. You gotta be respectful and you gotta be great in the phone. You have to be a great communicator. I have to go to my core values, even for an underwriter, even for someone who opens files, even for a loan officer. We put our loan officers through a lighter version is but the same thing. It takes one bad apple to ruin the batch. And I'm going to share where my stuff went wrong not too long ago. But I'm going to share with you guys an uh, interview sheet that I use, which is on page uh, 256. So how our process works, very similar to Julie. You've got to be great in the phone. We're going to creep around a little bit on social media. We're going to talk to them on the phone. We're going to see if we know anyone that knows them. Um, if we know a prior employer, we're going to reach out and see what we can find from prior employer about them. If they make it in, up until about six months ago, it was me in every first interview like Julie. That's one of the things where we went wrong. Um, I've done this for a long time and I just assumed that someone would do it the same way. Julie does it very good at a very high level, done it for a long time. I've done it very good at a very high level. When I stepped away from the process, it got broken. So I went back in to tighten up the process. So when someone comes in, we have our standard interview, and I have four or five people out of our branch. I think we have around 85 employees. There's four or five people that are capable of doing the level one interview. If it's me, I'm there. If it's not, it's someone else. Interview goes through. When it's done, page 256, as the candidate has walked out, we got done spending maybe a half an hour together, the two people that did the first interview must complete page 256, every single answer before there is any back and forth why I liked her or I liked him or you liked her or you liked him. I want to keep it as unbiased as I can. Fill out your piece on that and then we'll have a conversation there. So walking through these questions, were they on time? Simple question, right? Did they have a resume? Were they dressed appropriately? Did they do any research on the company before they came here? Do you think they would fit into our culture? How would you rate their adaptability? What extent do they have a learning-based mindset? How detailed and organized are they? Uh, how would they do on a phone with the client? If anyone gets a below a seven, the interview's over, they will not go to a second interview. That's the power of these four or five people that do the first interview. We have a non-negotiable. If they didn't show well enough to get at least a seven, they're not gonna make it to the second interview and we're gonna be done. When interview wraps up, said, hey, we're gonna fill form out, we're gonna talk to think if it's going to be a good fit for you and a good fit for us because we don't want you to come here if it's not gonna be a good fit for you and you not to like your job. It's as important to us that you like working for us as we like having you here. So we'll go through and get that done. Questions at the bottom, Julie had a very similar question. I wanna be a nurse, I wanna move to Montana. Okay, are they looking for a job or are they looking for a career? 
I am only hiring people that are looking for a career. That's Questions amazing. like where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I mean, great question that you asked. These are these indicators. We'll get to a couple questions as we wrap this up, guys. Um, do they want it? Do they get it? Do they have the capacity for it? Someone can want the job. You might think they can get it, but are they smart enough? Do they have the capacity to do it? That's a really big question right there. And then how do you rate them overall? If it's below that, they don't get a second interview back. If it's a seven, anything below is a seven. The second form on page 257 is, is the, the cheaper version that I stole from uh, Zappos. So Zappos used to pick up executives uh, in a limousine, and they would drive them to have the interview at Zappos. And as I understand the story, the Zappos limo driver would fill out a short questionnaire. Were they respectful? <laughs> Were they a good representative of the company? Would they represent our brand well? And if that person didn't, if that person said no, the interview is over, they never even got the interview. And that's a wow. piece of character, how someone behaves when they think that someone's not watching. So when someone walks in, someone walks into the office and they're meeting with the receptionist, they talk down to the receptionist. If they blow the receptionist off, they don't show up on time. So a great story, you guys will appreciate this, going to site visits and seeing different coaches. I don't think any of you guys were here, but I had a site visit. I had 11 students come to the site visit, and I had two interviews that day. And I had five and six sit in the interview for interview number one Whoa. and interview number two. So this poor candidate came in. By the way, one's still here after six years, and she's great. But they came in and said, hey, it's just me and Matt. Pretend like the other six people in the back of the room aren't here. So we finished our interview. Everyone, including my students, filled out a form, and they went through. We did group one, and then the other person came in. We did group two. And we got done. There was one that was kind of on the edge. She got a couple sevens. We weren't quite sure. Matt might have liked her. I might not have liked her, vice versa. So I called down the receptionist and said, hey, can you run up the form? So she brought the form up from the receptionist. And it, no joke. She showed up two minutes late. She complained about the parking wow. and was taking a selfie of herself in the lobby. Wow. So pretty sure that we uh, averted a disaster right there. <laughs> the second candidate, which we did hire, has been with us for six years on the way to being an outside loan, uh, five years on the way to being an outside loan officer for us. We talked about the disc profile. I do the disc profile after that first interview. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to do the full interview. I'm going to bring them in. If they advance, I want to have that extra information before they go to the next interview. Our next interview is meeting with three people, very much like Julie. Hey, it's a culture interview. It is not a culture interview. These, these are three women that are super nice, super cool, super chill, but they are stone-cold killers, and they will poke, and they will figure it out, and they will ask questions, but they come in with their guard down a little bit and get to really see who someone is, so very much the same way there. Mm -hmm. You guys, these two forms, if you're not going to implement the, this is gold. I'm going to definitely implement these two forms. Beautiful. So I'll wrap this up with the piece that where I got away from the process is a lot of us being salespeople, what do we rely on? We're on the fly, we're gonna figure it out, I'm good, just off the handle. Julie can do that, I can do that, we can all do it, we're good, we're salespeople, we're gonna read a situation, we're gonna take some data, we're gonna this, we're gonna get it, I've been doing this a long time, you know how to do it. When I stepped away from that process, I had to have a tighter process dialed in. I did not meet with either of those two candidates that went through the system. We got the disc profile, no one read it. The executive assistant piece said on there, you have to pay particular attention to her inability to sometimes hear what you said. 
She needs constant attention that she's doing a great job. I mean, it, I, I, there were seven items there, and I highlighted five of them, and all five of them were like the worst hire ever for an executive assistant. But all it took was someone to follow the process. So what I did is that because it's not me every time, we've got an HR person in our office. The HR person, every hire, she says yes or no. When the interview sheet comes back, if you've got some sevens and you have some questions, and you talk to Manesh and he said, I'm a little concerned about this position, it'll come back to my desk, or my business partner's desk, and we will look at it and make a decision if it's one way or the other. But I want to get away from the curse of shared ownership. Someone needs to own that. Cool? Awesome. Okay, we had a couple questions. I know Petros, you had your hand up earlier. Yeah, thank you. By the way, everyone, Julie is a queen. If you've, never, if you've never been to her office or a site visit, she's amazing. Her staff is phenomenal. They're all, they run at a super high level. Um, so Julie, is it a prereq for all of your employees to be available on the weekend? to be available on the weekend, just yeah. my LP1s. So I call them LP1 skill, like pre-approval partners. They, yes, they have to. And if someone doesn't want to do that, they, they can't work with me. But I mean, we, we want warriors, mm -hmm. right? Cool, clear, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think we had another question over here. So this might be a flaw of mine, but I want to know how you guys do this, because if I'm in an interview and I've got a young man slouching in front of me, or let's say I hear that there's uh, like their lobby demeanor wasn't exactly what I might be looking for. Um, I mean, I, I still go through with the interview. I ask them the questions or talking through them. Do you ever ask them why they're slouching? Why he didn't set up? Because I, I actually, I kind of go, is your back hurting? Yeah, I mean, I kind of want him to react to this is, you're not respectful enough to set up. I mean, that's, I've had it actually happen, but how, do y'all handle that or do you just let it go and, and let it be your checkout when you're done? For me, I would have rather had them tell me that in the beginning. Like my back is, slou I'm slouching, I'm so sorry because I, I mean, I think pretty much everybody knows they need to sit up, right? You only get one chance to make that first impression and unfortunately it didn't work for me. So no, I did not come after and, and tell them why. I just said it went somewhere else and I just don't have time. I have to move on. You know, I'm trying to, I want warriors, right? Mm -hmm. uh, warriors is what I'm looking for. And so I, I have to just have some non-negotiables. Do you cut it off pretty quickly after you've made that call? Oh no, no. When I, when I met with him, I did go through the whole process and talk to him and, and all that. But that was the deciding thing that I, I can't make it work. Um, <laughs> the management team laughs about me sometimes. Where like they'll get together and say, "Oh my gosh, KP just got after it." When I see something I'm concerned about, I'm gonna lean in like Rick Ruby. I'm gonna poke and I'm gonna poke and I'm gonna poke, and I want to do that in an interview setting because they're they're not employed. I see something I don't like. I want to find out why it is, and I want to see the reaction. Do they shut down? Do they have a good reason? Are they argumentative? Are they apologetic? Do I hear something? I like poking at people during an interview. They need a job, I don't need to hire them. And I want to have those fierce conversations. One of the things I'll talk about, we do a personal family budget with every employee. What do you think about me looking at your money every single month? I'm going to find out right now. Gave me permission. Yeah, it's okay. But how is your money? How's your credit? How's your overall credit? That's right. We can ask those questions. You can ask those <laughs> questions. I've got okay scores, probably too much credit card debt. Pardon me? I've got okay scores, probably too much credit card debt. Cool. Yeah, you like a lot of other people. I know. Look at what, what's an okay score. What's an okay score for? Is oh, it Brian? Sorry. Seven hundred. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. Brian. No, seven hundred. Seven. Wow, Brian, that's really good. good. Do you own your own home, or where do you live? I'm looking at like distance-wise. There wasn't an address on I your do, resume. I do own my own home. 
How, how far are you from the office? About 35 miles. 35 miles. Well, that's a long ways. Gas is, gas is what, five bucks a gallon? And... Yeah, I drive diesel too. Okay. So one of the things I look at is that this is something I learned from Rick way before I ever got into the core with both feet like him right now, talking about proximity to job, talking about what their credit looks like, these little things. I like poking at those things and, and poking a little bit because um, I want to find out how, how they handle that. Mm -hmm. And with the proximity to job, I, for a long time I resisted. No, it's... It's got to be okay, but it is the truth. They need to live literally like no, no further than 20 minutes out. I it agree. just doesn't minutes. work. It doesn't work. Good. A couple more questions? Yeah. Um, I've recently lost my whole team for good reasons and bad. I found one uh, taking from the company, stole some things. And anyways, my question is statistically, do you have to talk to like 15 people to get one good person like anything in life? Or do you just get lucky? Because for me, I have a hard time finding the perfect person with all of this? Um, no. Uh, we, we push our culture and our, our social media and the stuff that we do is more related to our brand and we look fun and we actually are fun but that's the piece and we, we try to get people to gravitate towards us. So my marketing guy will talk to a number of people. Um, it's not, he might have to talk to 15 to get one that we want to interview, but we do not interview 15. I would say in our interview process, before they even get to coming and meeting with me, we're one of those five people, we probably hire, when we're hiring, probably 50% of who, of who we interview because we've screened them so much before they came in and wasted my time or any of our five key people. Like, we've gone in, we've poked, we've asked tough questions on the phone, we've searched around, we see if we, if they're going to talk about politics, either way, I don't care what side you're on, you're all over the place on social media, I don't need them in my office. Like, you just see these things that don't even get that. So we screen really hard before they even get an interview. So have your culture and mission statement ready, tell them, make sure, I, I've creeped on people on Facebook too, so, mm -hmm. but... What about Julie? What about you? Yeah, so I, I will talk to 50 people before I find the right person. I am not, it's one of my non-negotiables. I'm not just going to hire just because I need a body anymore. It doesn't work. I'll just tell the team we're, we're going to do a little bit extra work. When we find the right team member, we're going to hire them. So, I mean, and then we blast. I mean, we do everything. Like, Indeed, um, I make the team post it on their social media. We're hiring, we're hiring. Come work for a great team. Uh, we, we do a lot, you know, we... we, we Outreach is huge for us. So we want to get a lot of people, right, so that we can find the best people. Can I? Okay, cool. Can I give a tip, if you don't mind? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things which I recommend is as soon as a resume comes or something like that comes, you immediately send them roughly about 10 questions. These are very simple, easy to answer questions which will eliminate situations, like how far is it from work, right? In the next six to nine months, do you foresee that you cannot work nine to five regular office hours for us? So there are, for each position, there are roughly about 10 questions that you can have in advance. The moment somebody sends a resume, don't worry about anything, just have them fill out that questionnaire. If they don't fill out the questionnaire, they're automatically eliminated. Mm -hmm. If they do fill out the questionnaire, within a few minutes, you can see whether you even need to read the resume. Mm -hmm. okay. You just reminded me, actually, Manesh, about something really quickly. So when my regional admin does the first call, she's pumping me up, right? Oh, gosh. You can't, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you to meet Julie. She's amazing. She's been doing this for 26 years. Her passion is growing people in this industry. She just pumps me up. So by the time they meet me, they're like, 
like this, right? And they want to be there. So that's the kind of people that I want to see. So let's talk about it's time to offer a job. What does that look like when it's time to get a job offer? Oh, it's time to get a job offer. I just, you know, just go ahead. We just tell them what the salary is and, and move on from there and just go through HR. So you just do it on the phone and you just call yeah. them up and say, hey, get a job offer? Or do you yes, bring them that, in? No, for, for that, actually, yeah, the last interview, we talk about it. Um, sometimes I'll wait and, I, you know, and I do ask this question and it's really interesting. I always ask, you know, how much do you want to make? Just so I have an idea what they're thinking of. Like I'm in Seattle, right? So my minimum amount is, you know, I'll, I'll pay at least $26 an hour because it's pretty expensive to live there. Um, and so, and sometimes these girls, you know, have roommates and, and they need money, right? Um, but yeah, that's, that's how we do it. I love to do job offers in person mm -hmm. because we'll read the situation. Perfect. If it's, they got a 10 and everything across the board, they're awesome, we want them, like this, this is it, we need this position. I want to read the situation. The same way when you're sitting there meeting with the client, you know they're not quite going to sign the docs and you know there's something there. I want the same thing. I want to see them eyeball to eyeball. I want them to come in the third time. Um, and we have actually pulled job offers after making the job offer because of the way they behaved after they got the job offer. They didn't fill out the paperwork, they didn't fill out the all about you form, they weren't wow. very good at their HR person, and we pulled jobs in that period after the time, but I love doing it face to face. That's amazing. Okay, cool, wanna talk about section two? Yeah. You had one more question over here? I believe the, you leave the money question to the last interview. How do you respond to the candidate um, asking, um, asking for the salary in the first interview or the second interview? Well, dur during the main interview, I basically asked them, how much, is that what you're talking about? How much, do you want to, how much do you want to make? The reason why I asked that question is because I want to see if, if it's even in the realm of what I want to pay because that's like the minimum, right, for me. If somebody tells me $22 an hour and I'm going to pay $26, i will still give them the $26, you know, if they're worth it for sure. But I always want to know. And I don't tell them then what, what it is for sure. But when we do post jobs, there is a range, right? <laughs> It's anywhere from, we start at 26 and it could be higher. So they already kind of know the range, but I, I still ask them that question. And it boggles my mind that they don't even say 26. They say sometimes lower. So did they even read it? Okay, one last question, Tim. So making sure you have people in the right seat, right? And we're growing great employees as well. So now at what point do you reassess that they're aligned to that position? Like how often do you do like reviews? Wow, it's and almost like you the, just threw, I parlayed it, it's right? like you, okay, just threw, you just threw a softball rolling in right into Julie's next section yeah, talking awesome. about <laughs> what they're going to do and evaluations and how right. that goes and what the first days look like and everything else. Right. So we're going to start with training. So you can go to page 247. And I got this amazing form for, from Josh Sigmund. So he coached me for a year, and he does this with every one of his employees, and I just copied it, and it is a game changer. What it is is for the first 90 days, they have to fill out that form. You know, remember, the first 90 days, they have to be on their best behavior, right? This is like the best. So you have to keep that in mind. Are they not filling it out every day, even though I told them they have to fill it out every day? Um, and sometimes it's easier for people to actually write down their frustrations, you know, type it in, rather than talking to people about it because they're afraid or they're shy, right? So that form is crucial for us. If, if you need to implement that right away. And it also makes them feel like, you know, you care about them and you want them to succeed. And it also gives us clues for the buddy. So the, if you notice on there in the top, the buddy is the person that actually reviews that along with me. Right? Okay. So 
buddy they're assigned to someone in the office that that's yep. their go-to person yep everybody's assigned to a buddy um, and they may not even even be actually in the same position but that person is their buddy and that could be anything from hey I don't know you know how to you know my something's wrong with my computer <laughs> to you know how do I find this thing in HR so that that's that kind of a buddy but then they will also have somebody who is going to train them who already does their job right so when I am talking to, you know, even interviewing people, I also talk about how, you know, this job is actually, you know, you're going to train the next person so you can move to the next phase. So they already know they're going to train. And so that's what I love it because I'll never have to train again, right? The next person trains and trains. What does the first day of work look like when someone comes in? First day of the work is that on their desk is, you know, a card, some kind of swag, um, usually like a bottle, and just a handwritten card for me, just saying, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so, so excited for you to learn more about the mortgage industry. I will be here for you. Cheers to an amazing career. It's basically what it says. So very, and a lot of my team members today still have it on their desk. It's that important to them, right? We do an all about you. They have to fill an all about you form before they come. Mm -hmm. The first day, there's an all about you basket on their desk. I've shared a story with a lot of students in the past. Uh, I was super frustrated about five years ago when we had an employee leaving and we're having a pizza party as they're leaving. And we're spending a hundred bucks or whatever it is on a pizza party and we're celebrating them leaving and they'd only been there for a couple years. And I said, we don't celebrate and people leave. We celebrate and people join us. So I'd rather spend $50 or $60 or $100 when they start instead of $100 when they leave. Uh, and that was a big thing. So all about you finding out what their favorite restaurant is, their favorite gifts, um, where they like to eat. Um, I had an employee six years ago when we started this, went home to work with her husband, same industry, same line of work in the mortgage business, came work for me. And her husband said to her, you saw more appreciation in that company the first day you worked there in the last five years you worked at the last place for a lousy $100 gift. You know, 100 hours of their favorite things, their favorite wine, their favorite restaurant. So just those little things I think make a big difference. We assign them a couple uh, employees that represent the company well to take them out to lunch their first day. So we do the buddy, but we also have a couple other people that are in the office that are a good example of what we're looking for and we, we pay to do lunch. So right. that's a and then the first Friday after they start, they have lunch with me and it's usually just in the conference room. Somebody, we bring in lunch and we just talk about how our things are going. Um, are they intimidated meeting with the boss? No, no. I think by that time they've seen me walk yeah. around and they know that I'm not always serious, but I'm pretty serious. <laughs> you guys can tell a little bit. <laughs> so talking through levels, how do you do your career planning? Where does someone know where they're going to go, what their trajectory right. is? Right. How do you handle that? Every one of my employees know what their next jobs are, right? They always, always know. Um, part of that is because I have a monthly one-on-one -on -one with every one of my employees. And that sounds like a lot. I have 38 right now, but it's a lot, right? But I, they're very short, they're very strategic, and they're on certain days, like not on coaching days, not when I'm doing my theme days. It's really time-blocked. And so I can fit like two or sometimes three in one day. And I'm always asking the same question. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Um, and I also ask, what do you think we can do better, right? 
And then, I, and then I say, are you still on track to becoming, you know, an approval partner, or an LP1? And then they'll get that feedback. And it's very casual and light. And that's how I get to know them, right? So that's when I let down with them. I ask about their family. It's all done in 10 or 15 minutes. It's boom, boom, boom. And after that, they feel like they're so close to me again. So that's why I have to do it every month, right? Because, you know, we're like crazy running around sometimes, right? But they still need us one-on-one. -on -one. And if you're not doing one-on-one, ones with your employees shame on you and you need to do that right away guys write that down as a really really big thing monthly one-on-ones I want you to think about your favorite employee right now I want you to put the, your head in that headspace right now if that person were to leave me tomorrow what might what would I feel like what would my business look like one of the best things you can do is exactly what Julie said time equals relationship having time monthly one-on-one -on -one time together that's huge that is really big time equals relationship that's a really really big thing guys make sure you're spending time with your people yeah question back here do you have like a form that you follow on that I know it's like 15 minutes for but the one-on-one -on -one? yeah yes I have a form I can you can ask your concierge and I can uh, send it over and you track that, right you just kind of like go back to each one you'll yep okay mm -hmm. And the last section, we'll end up talking about some uh, reviews and annual reviews and what those look like and some different things that we do, I think, with help with that as well. You want to talk about some of our awesome employees that we've yes, had over the years? Yes, let's do that, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's see if we can get this to go. Guys, um, so a lot of our, both Julie and I groom a lot of people to move throughout the organization. So we're going to share a couple case studies of, of a couple of our uh, employees that we think uh, exemplify our business and what we're looking for and what we, who we wish we could clone, correct? Yes, so 100%. take a look at that. Oops. All right. Um, Volume. No, I think I'm just going to hit next and it should go, correct? Ready? So I'll share this real quick. This is Anna give you an honest story real quick. She'll tell her story, but my version is um, hire her, no mortgage experience. I like people without mortgage experience, but the ones that meet my core values, I can teach them the mortgage business. Um, we have maybe 22, 23 loan officers in our branch and 11 of them we've grown from scratch. Anna is a great example of who we've worked with and who's grown throughout our, our uh, company. Before Treadstone, I graduated from Michigan State University um, it was actually the only school I applied to, so I gave it my all. Glad that I went there. Um, I was always interested, I'm from Northern Michigan, so I was always interested in nature, water, water science. I grew up fishing, so naturally it was something I was good at. So my degree was fisheries and wildlife, believe it or not. And I had a concentration in water science. So after Michigan State, the day after I graduated, I jumped on a plane to Alaska and I lived there for about a year and I worked at two different fish hatcheries, 100% um, remote. So they were both in the bush. The first time around, I worked with one other coworker for five months in the woods with a shotgun and I was doing fish sampling. So I loved every second of it, but I was lacking people and human connections. So when I uh, moved back to Michigan, I knew I wanted a career change and I wanted something that I could grow love and somewhere that really fed like a great culture. So I didn't know what direction I truly wanted to move in. I just wanted to help people. And a realtor who is a phenomenal realtor here in West Michigan, she said, hey, I don't know if you like mortgages or even if you'd be fascinated in it, but Treadstone has a great culture of something that I think you would love and thrive in. 
did a phone interview actually for the front desk. So it was kind of a pre-screening just to see if I could communicate, talk, you know, whatnot. It was, you know, exciting, not, it wasn't too intimidating at the same time because I could just talk about who I was because truly my resume didn't say much about mortgages to be honest, but you kind of flipped over my resume and you said, okay, let's just talk. Let's just talk. And by the time I got to the third round interview, that was the culture interview. And I actually met with a lot of top guns here at Treadstone. So it was a nice switch up of me being able to connect with multiple people um, within the office. I started in a front end setup. After I was kind of mastered the setup process, I moved into front end setup. After that, I moved into processing. So processing, I was there for about three, four months. After that, um, I was uh, asked kind of by KP and operations, kind of where I thought my trajectory was. Then I was kind of, I was at the office for, I was at Treadstone for about a, just over a year at that point. And that's when I was approached with the sales concept. And if, if it was something that I saw myself doing, after that, I moved on to KP's team as a licensed loan officer assistant. So I got licensed, wow. uh, went into outside sales at the end of November of 2021. And um, how that kind of started was I was given um, a salary, but lower basis points. So I knew that I was gonna be successful, especially with the help of KP. Um, but however, it didn't give me the stress of going 100% commission. It gave me a little wiggle room to get my, my feet on the ground. This year, um, I have closed uh, 37 loans uh, as of August of uh, 2022. I closed uh, 10 in July and 12 in August. Wow. And I just can't wait to keep on pushing through. And after a certain point in June, I went 100% commission. Oh my gosh. That's money right there. Literally, so, she's making money. Who manages loan officers here? Who would hire Anna? Exactly. Anna wasn't Anna when I hired her. Anna was a girl from Michigan State with a degree in fish and wildlife game or something goofy <laughs> like that. And I look at her and she looks like a supermodel and she's out in the bush carrying a shotgun and counting spawn of salmon or something silly like that. But we went to our core values. If you go back and look at my core values, she has high emotional intelligence. She's open. You just look at what she shared. We edited that down a little bit. She's very chatty. Um, we, we, uh, openness, uh, proactive, great learning-based mindset. And her career trajectory was because we have a, a, a clear system. She was interviewing for a receptionist job. That was the job originally. We put her in the open files. She became an LP2. Uh, processing, basically processing loans, came to the front, worked on my team, and we set her into an outside sales trajectory. When I put salespeople out, uh, I like to have them have a set salary, smaller salary, smaller basis points, and I give them a very small expense account. If you're not making much money, $500 goes a long way for buying a couple beers, buying some donuts, taking someone out to lunch. If you don't have that little bit of budget, it's a big deal spending a little bit of money. It's a two-year program once they go on outside sales. In her case, she crushed it and said, I want to go to 100% earlier. She's done it. Wow. So I have a number of people like this. How She's, many do you have like this? Uh, we have 11 people that we've trained from scratch. Um, and that whole group is 20, probably 25 to 30. And what, what, are the average close, what are the average closings per month right now? Um, we're running, this group is running probably three, four right now. In this um, market? In this market. That's amazing. Yeah.
Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. So really, really exciting. But I'll tell you this. Remember this. You, you, you see this when you visit branches or you look around. Think about the own people that work in your branch that's been with you for a long time. They weren't the person they are today when you hired them. And I think it's a big thing when you get to those core values and what you're looking for. If you pour into them, they will become who they are. Those who have been in my branch will see this great management team. They've been, a, they've been with me for 8, 10, 12 years. They weren't that person when I hired them. But if you find those right characteristics and you pour into them and you do what Julie's talking about and spending time with them month to month, you're pouring into them, you're setting them a career trajectory, they will grow and they will become great people. And like you, you notice greatness, right? So when you notice greatness in someone, you have to tell them because it's going to uplift them. There has to be somebody in your life that told you maybe that you could be a top producer, you could do this. You can do that for your people. It's life-changing. Okay, let's, we're going to roll yeah. in with you. Yeah. All right. You tell me when you're ready. Yeah, you want ready. It. Oh, yeah. Gloria is, so Gloria is one. She started off as a branch admin. And I noticed right away, and she was only 20, I believe, or 20 or, tw yeah, she just became legal, 21. And I noticed right away, she's very, she smiles a lot, she's super smart. She actually has been in the workforce since she was 16 and put herself through college. And I just knew right away um, that she was going to be amazing. So her career path is she started as an uh, admin, then she became um, an LP1 lead intake. So that's the person that inputs all the information, like leads and all that. And then she became an assistant to the LP1, which is the person who approves the pre-approved uh, files. And then, and then she's going to be a team captain next because I'm going to move up my team captain now to something else. And then she's going to be a loan officer. And she could probably be a loan officer sooner, but she's only 26. And so I think she just needs a little bit more life experience. And I said, when you buy a house, you can be a loan officer. So I started on the team three and a half years ago. It went by really fast. <laughs> How old were you? I was, oh my gosh, was I 21? I think I was 20. It might have even been 20. 21, I think. So I was youngest on the team. And everyone I remember was like 28 <laughs> or 29. So right. yeah, it was really it was really a great experience. And I feel like I've been here for a really long time, even yeah, longer than I know. three and a half years now. <laughs> exactly. I feel like you've been here forever. Yes. So, so I started as your executive assistant <laughs> slash front desk. <laughs> so that was prepared me definitely a lot. And I was able to... Um, get an idea of mortgage mortgage industry terms and just right. an idea of I don't know what people do generally right. I didn't know anything about the mortgage industry coming in I was your executive assistant right. so I handled a lot of the admin side and then I went to lead intake mm -hmm. and then there was even more room for growth when I became a loan partner so mm -hmm. it just it progressed really quickly which is good because mm -hmm. I think you learn so much about one position so quickly and then you want to learn more. So that's right. why I like the mortgage industry because you can always go to somewhere right. else if you want to learn more about a different position. Right. So I think the one-on-ones have helped me a lot because every time I go in for my one-on-one, it's almost like you're checking in on our goals too, which it's easy to forget when you're working. Sometimes you go day-to-day -day not thinking about what your next step is. So you usually encourage us to think about that and then you know, make sure that we're happy. Um, and if we have any issues, which I never do, you know, we can talk about them there. And I think they're really helpful. It also shows that someone cares about, you know, us on the team, especially being on a team when you're with so many people. Um, I feel in some situations for other companies, it might feel like you're just getting lost in the shuffle, but it kind of brings everyone back in together and it gives us time to talk to you about more personal things and our goals in life. So yeah, I like it. 
I know we've talked about potentially like a team lead in the future, so I think that's what I'm working toward. Maybe one day a loan officer, hopefully, which I know it will happen, and then maybe a branch manager like you. So <laughs> definitely there's a lot of different possibilities, so I'm excited. Wow. Nice job. She's a unicorn. She's amazing. The one-on-one -on -one time that she talked about there, yeah. fantastic. She talks about spending time with them. We heard it already earlier today, right? People don't care about how much you know until they know how That's much right. you care. Right. And it's so fulfilling. It gives you more of a purpose for your job. And I didn't have that seven years ago. I just want to do a bunch of loans and make a lot of money. Well, now my life is, yes, I'm doing a bunch of loans. I'm making money, but I'm changing lives. And it's, it's a beautiful feeling. Congratulations. Very cool. Yeah. Nice culture. Great culture. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, any questions on that, guys? Kind of a little bit of the training and the people and the staffs and the career trajectory and where it's going to go. I think it really starts with what our core values are, finding people that meet those and pouring them over a long period of time. I think the one-on-one -on -one time is super key. Um, time equals relationship. Yeah, we'll go with Tammy. So what happens when you realize, okay, we're not both of you. We didn't start it right, and now we have the wrong people in certain positions. What's the best way to unravel that and quickly without like crushing our life as well? I think you, I think you just have to have a, a fierce conversation and, and, and get to the spot and, and, hit, and hit a reset button. And if you need to hit a reset button, if it's the wrong seat in the wrong bus, get them to the right seat, get them to the right spot. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, and then, so do we go back right? Because that's what we want to do after summit. And I don't want to throw up on my team. But do I go back and hit the reset right away going, okay, here's the core values, here's the integrity, here's all of this, and, and then have that conversation or just go back and make the cut? Uh, I would actually do the core values and just evaluate everybody. So I had a similar situation um, to exactly what you're talking about. So I had an LP1, her name is Elaine, and she's very, you know, she's from Boston, and she kind of butts heads, right? And she's been, she was on my, she's been on my team for five years. And so I started to tell her, you know what, you, you really know, you know everything about loans. I think it's time for you to be an MLA. I think you're ready. And just pumping her up, and I know she's going to kill it. She's already getting, and so basically, um, that, that was like a year ago, and I pushed her out the door, and she's closing loans. She's going, she, she's going to open houses. So just, I really wanted to keep her, but it wasn't the right seat because she outgrew that position. Um, but I would definitely do the core values and then evaluate everybody and just think about what you can do. If they're still a good person and you want them on the team, you can find something else for them to do. So I would get my core value list put together, exactly what Julie said, get that list put together, what we're looking for, look at the, those people and say, do we have the right team here and look at what that is. And then when you're hiring and bringing new people or moving people around, do they meet our core values? So you recognize what you want to see in everyone going forward, and then I think you're coaching each person going forward, but knowing these are our non-negotiables going forward when to bring someone on the team. Believe it or not, it sounds a little weird right now, we're all going to be hiring sometime soon. There is a hurricane coming, we're putting the storm shutters up on our building. We're getting ready for the hurricane comes. Setting these principles, the core values, how we interview, what the process looks like, where we find people, uh, what the interview looks like. I've got a sheet in there for when I'm searching for employees, what we use for Rearbridge, talking about pay ranges and everything else, that, that's all in there. So I think it's important, so I would start with the core values. You had a question back here? I, I did. Mine was 
more on training, are you guys using a specific, like do you have a form, here's all your roles and responsibilities and here's who will train you on this? 100%. Or do, you talk about. 100%. Yeah. So like for instance, my LP1 approval partners, they have a two page, like everything they have to do once the lead comes in, all the way down to closing, and then the very last thing says, and anything else Julie needs me to do. And I have them sign it. <laughs> they sign it, not saying that they're gonna do it every time, but just signing that they've read it and they understand. And if they don't understand, they need to come back to me and talk about it again. So every, you guys, every job has to have a checklist. They have to know what they're doing. Like even really like, down to you know, little tiny things, they need to know that. You have to remember that we eat what we kill, right? We're different. Staff people, they need safety, they need structure. If they don't see those checklists, they're gonna freak out and they're gonna quit because they're gonna say, this person's not organized, I gotta go. I don't see anything going on here, right? So you have to put yourself in their position. What would they need? So there has to be a checklist a job description, everybody knows exactly what they need to do every time they get into the office. Cool. Another question over here? Yeah. What if you have an employee who seems to be somewhat stagnant in their role and you really don't see them pursuing something else? And the second part is, at what point, Julie, do you promote the idea to someone that they should look into another position? Like, at what point do you feel like it's a comfortable conversation to have? You're talking about Julia? Julia's gone. Oh, she's gone, okay. <laughs> um, so hmm. EA right now, who's, she's still about 70% of what she has the ability to do or her role, mm -hmm. um, but I know that at some point she'll want to elevate into something else, but I don't see her at that level or that point yet. Okay. And what if she gets to that point, she hits 100%, and I just still don't see her hmm. going into like an LP1 or pre-approval manager. So you're saying you don't want her to work with you? I want her to work with me. I think she's just good in this role. I just having a hard time identifying where I would position her after that. Okay, what is her, dis you have her disc profile? I don't remember it from the top of my head, but I'd have okay. to revisit it. Yeah, I mean, if, if somebody, if I think somebody has value and they have a great attitude, I will figure it out. So I think you're kind of projecting into the future when you don't really know what's gonna happen, right? So. I mean, if you care about them and you want them on your team, then there's a way, right? So I always look at people like I either have to coach them up or coach them out, right? So if I didn't want, it's pretty cut and dry. If they're good, I'm going to move on and, and help them get to where they want to go. And maybe that means training, more training, right? Are you doing all the training? Uh, no, between myself and Ashley. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's a there's a... If, you, there's, if there's a will, there's a way, really, that's what it is. Cool. So it sounds like you maybe don't know if you want them. Probably Firm and direct. Yes. Petros, firm and direct. This is what I need to see for you in this job role. This is what it needs to be. I need to see you operating at a higher level. It's a really tough market. I'm working my tail off. Rick is very firm and direct with us working for him in the coaching program, what he expects out of us. There's no mistake what he expects. We all need to do a better job being firm and direct with our people. It's going to help them excel in their career. We're gonna talk about annual reviews in a few minutes. And with annual reviews, it's an opportunity to poke at some issues that you don't particularly like maybe in an employee and you're able to find out is this something that they can improve and are they gonna get there or they're not. But I think that's a great time to do that. Yeah, and if I also, 
do you know what a PIP, does everybody know what a PIP is? Performance Improvement Plan. It's a form, you could actually get it from HR. And I use that, you know, I, I use that. Basically, if I feel like they're not moving or not growing as fast, I go over exactly in writing what they need to work on, and then I give them, a, I give them time. Like, you have 90 days to, to make sure that you're mastering these tasks. And then, basically, if they don't, you can just let them go. And if they do, they might soar. It might, like, kick them in the butt. So Julie did a very nice version of talking about being firm and direct in writing, sat and had a meeting, and this is what you need to do to improve. Clear? And, and here, employees are happy when they know what, what's, what are the rules, right? One more question over here? Right. Yeah. How much runway do you give your employees who transition to self-sourcing their own business as an LO? What's that time frame look like? Um, for us from scratch, we used to call it... Uh, two years, I stretched it out closer to three. I'd rather under-promise than over-deliver. Um, I think most of us in this room, let's get, a, let's get a show of hands. How many people have been in the business longer than 10 years? Raise your hand in here. Okay. Mm -hmm. did, did, did someone say to you, hey, you're a really great sales guy. Uh, here's some rate sheets and donuts to go sell mortgages. That's how I got on. That's how you got on? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> but then you got in mortgages. Was there someone to pull your credit, put it in file, no, run to you? You did everything. You ordered the appraisal, you pulled credit, you put the 1003 together, you did everything. You did everything, everything. I think we make a mistake of moving people too fast through the system and they don't do what we used to do. Read through an appraisal. What do you mean there's an issue with the appraisal? Let me take a look at it. Read through the title work, like struggle. And I think that what I'm able to do in the program that we do is like Anna, she came in and struggled, but it was a safe environment. For the first six months, she didn't talk to a client because she's doing VOMs, VORs, VOEs, all kinds of other stuff behind the scenes. She learned the software. She learned the vernacular. I got to know her and see her and like her and see something in her that she didn't see. That, her four years ago, it wasn't, I'm going to be an outside loan rep closing 14 loans. But we saw that in a period of time. So for her story was about two and a half years before she went out. I had someone similar to her that I said, if you really want to go out, you can go out this year. I think you should work on my team for another year, and you're going to get more confidence than everything else. About 50% of my workforce are women just like Anna. We were, I think we're over 50% of our 25 loan officers are women like Anna. Super sharp, professional, know the business, did all the work, worked the way through the system. Yes? Julie, what's your process for taking the person that's the front-end LP1 to the next level, to be the LP2, learning how to structure? I feel like that's the hardest thing to do. How do you get right. that person to learn how so to structure LP, loans? LP2 is a, a processor. So do you mean like an LP1 uh, I mean, taking the person that, yeah, can learn how to structure loans. Like, they got into right. the business, they don't know how to structure loans, right. they take your leads right. now, and now we want right. to bring them to the next level. Right. So, on, in, in my world, they start as lead intake, right? So, they, there's a process for that. So, they have to enter all the leads, they have to pull credit, um, they assign the file to an approval partner on the team. And then after that, their next job is the assistant to the approval partner. And so this person, you know, they may be doing this for multiple approval partners, but it's ordering the appraisal. It's actually disclosing, too. Mm -hmm. They actually disclose. And my team captain oversees all of this for sure, right, to make sure that they're not making any, you know, horrible errors. Um, and then that position is at least six months. So, and then we talk about training, but you guys, training never ends. Literally, you have to have Wednesday onesers or, 
or what, what are the cute phrase words? You, you have to have weekly trainings. So you're always, always training. And I don't care if you've been on the team for 10 years, it doesn't matter your training every Wednesday. So, so once you have that career path, um, somebody has to be a trainer on the team, right? So for me, it's either some other approval partner who shadows, you know, everything. Um, so basically we say, try and do it, and then we will, over, we will see if, you know, if you've had any mistakes or we'll, we'll walk you through that. And then the team captain, you know, actually for the first at least year when they become an approval partner or an LP1, they basically, she basically reviews every pre-approval because that's super, super important. So you do need somebody to shadow them, and it, it may take a while. It's just the shadowing, I guess. Yeah, the deal it's there. shadowing. You don't yeah. have any magic secret want sauce for me, Julie? No, I thought you were going to just be like, oh, just do this. It'll be that easy. <laughs> yeah, we've got to work at it. It takes time. <laughs> Guys, I, I want to share, uh, page 254 is an annual review form. Um, who's doing annual reviews with other people? Okay. Not a lot of hands up. Um, same thing that Julie talked about when you're spending time monthly with people. Time equals relationship. You have to have an annual review. You just do. It doesn't mean you're going to get a raise, especially in a market like this. Maybe if things are okay, you're going to get a cost of living. Maybe. It doesn't mean to get a raise, but you're able to review the performance at a time. So this sheet right here, every single year, I'm in Michigan. I'm in the Midwest. I like to do my reviews in... Uh, December and January. Why do you think you like the reviews in December and January? Because it's cold in Michigan. And this business is very, can be very seasonal to start with, but especially when you get in the Midwest, we see some volume drop. If I have an employee that's not really happy with us and we're not really happy with them, I want to pick at the scab and have these conversations and talk about where they need to improve, see if they like the job, see if they're in a good position, what they need to do to change things around because I'm not going to work my tail off to carry them through the winter months when we're historically slow when they're not in and they're not an A player. Um, what I do on this for the team, so most of us, we got a team or a branch for the team, I fill out this form. My team captain fills out this form. I have nine people on my team. My team captain fills out the form. We do them independently, and then we compare, and we come up with one that we're going to give them. So I might grade too tough on something. Uh, she might, I might think she grades too tough on something. Up, We'll come up with a clear form. So, KP, you're saying yeah. that two people do the performance review? Yeah, so I do it with my team captain performance review. But before we do that, we fill this sheet out ahead of time. Mm. And we both check it out, and then we agree on what the rating is. So let's take something like work consistency. I might say, hey, Susie's great. And she might say, yeah, Susie called in sick last week, and her email was a mess. Her work consistency isn't that good. So we'll come up with that clear thing as so we have a clear, consistent message. We'll Love review it. this together. We have opportunities for development on there. Here's your things I, I think I need to see you work on uh, and some different comments on there. Cool? Really good form, guys. Yes? Do you do this for your loan officers as well? So the question is, do, I, do we do this for our loan officers? No. We probably should, but we don't. Um, we do a review on what their business plan is for next year, and we'll talk about what they need to work on, how they're going to get there. I want to help my salespeople get to where they want to do, but uh, a, a different form. But we don't have any problem telling them when they're falling short and things. So all my loan officers are in the core, whether that be level one, two, or three. So that helps me because I want to close a lot of loans, but I want them to be coached as well. So that is really important so we all speak the same language. You can't work in my branch unless you're in the core. So... Any other questions? Okay. 
Julie? Yeah. Julie runs a fantastic business. Privileged to be up here with you. Thank you. I've I'm learned done. so much from you. I've got <laughs> plenty of notes here. Um, raise your hand. Who's? Yeah. Please. So both of them are standing there is not a coincidence. They both have hired me to coach their teams. Gloria, that you mentioned, you personally hired for me to coach her one-on-one. -on -one. Yes, yes. And Kevin's office, I've been there more than once to train. I've trained quite a few people in your team as well. These people really believe in growing their team employees. There is no question about it. I've that, seen them right. actually, I mean, they have. I yeah, went to so Kevin's office more than once. I can just tell a quick story about Gloria. Thank because you. Because Gloria actually, you know, she's smiling and she's happy, but I felt like she wasn't bonding with the clients enough, right? And she's young. She has not a lot of life experiences. So I had Manesh train her for how long was that? Four sessions. And she completely blossomed after that. It was one-on-one -on -one and it was really helpful because, because I know Gloria has such a bright future, I am going to pour into her. And so that was really helpful. Quick question, Julie. Um, how do you keep your 15-minute 15 15-minute meetings with your team to 15 minutes? Because I know feel what? like I start, and then they go into something super deep, and then they're crying, and they're telling right. me everything. And I'm like, oh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, crap. Yeah. Part of that is I, I don't hire people that talk a lot. <laughs> I don't... I don't like ramblers, you know what I mean? Because I'm so a when you're high value, someone doesn't talk too much. <laughs> know. You know what I mean? If, you can tell when you're interviewing people and they just keep going on and on and on. That's a red flag for me because we got to get work done. What was Oh, you hear that tip? If the I is over 80, don't hire. For what position? Any position? For me specifically, you mean? Okay. So, Manesh, okay. the expert, stop hiring losers. We have the expert here. Okay, unless it's sales. Okay, yeah, because you need that. Right. And you can call it a 15-minute meeting. That right. way it's 15 yeah. minutes. Right. Call it a 15-minute meeting. Right. But you so, do have to lead that, uh, that meeting really, really quick. Just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Okay. Great job. Let's hear it for Julie. Nice job, Julie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great KP. job. Thank you, guys. Uh, there's a survey in here. You You've been listening to the core sales training boot camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call one 800 660-6670 or find us on the web at thecoretraining.com.